0: This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, it's Lowell's here. Can you believe it? It's something like 32 days until Christmas. Yikes. Okay, today's guest, Tim Blackwell, or as he's known by his co-hosts as Blackers. He is a very, very well-known Australian radio host. He's also a TV presenter. It was so much fun to chat to him. Uh, he is so super smart, quick mind, fast, fast mind, very, very funny, no surprises there, to the point that I thought he must have studied comedy in, you know, preparation for being on radio, but no, he went to proper radio school, did broadcasting, did all the, like, worked his way up the ranks, is that the right word? Started in regional And now he is like on the number one drive show on Nova. He's been at Nova from the get-go. This guy's work ethic is amazing. He's clearly super kind, super hardworking, and super laid back as well. He's this really good combo. I hope you enjoy this chat with Blackers. You're a legend, mate. Hello, and welcome to the pod. Tim Blackwell, or Blackers, I want to call you Blackers. Yeah, it's a weird one
1: blackers. I've never had blackers until kind of the last few years, and and some people call it, call me blackers in an email. I'm like, yeah, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, you can do what you want. Well, I I'm not that pressed. Oh, I like it. <laughs> as long as do it's you, not Timmy. Do you know
0: that you're? Oh, okay, no, I wasn't. I've never heard you called Timmy. No. <laughs> You've been so, I've been really excited to research you because you are the first radio host, announcer, broadcaster. There are so many hats, but also you're on telly as well.
1: Really? Yes.
0: (laughs) But you're the first person to come on. I usually get like actors and directors. You're the first person from radio and I was really ignorant when I started researching you. I just thought, oh, he might have a comedic kind of background, but then I was like, oh, his voice is really good, so maybe he's done some voice training. This is where my mind went. And mm. then you fully trained really hard for this, right? You went to school. I have, so- a,
1: I, I have a graduate diploma, if that's what you're after there, Lola. I have a graduate <laughs> diploma in commercial broadcasting, which uh, I don't know where it is. It's on. I think it might be in one of those plastic sleeves at my mum's house still. <laughs>
0: But it's but yeah, is it tr-
1: I I yeah, it's true. Cause I remember I went to Macquarie Uni for a little while, like for yeah. like five or six months, and I could see afters out the window, which is the Australian film television radio school. I'm like, yeah. why am I learning learning about sociology and stuff when I just want to be over there? <laughs> so yeah.
0: Is it true that it started super young for you though? Like at six or seven, didn't you get a young talent time? Amplifier or – and you'd read the newspaper to your mum in the kitchen while she was making dinner and you'd be in your bedroom reading the newspaper?
1: Yes, yes. Um, Well, uh, lucky it progressed to that because a lot of the time I was just talking to a toilet roll and walking around the house. Um, Because anything that amplifies, or you know those slurpy kind of, I remember we went went to the movies and you get like a big Hoyts cup and I just start talking around like that. So I think it started with liking the sound of my own voice and and went from there. But yeah, the young talent time, um, uh, it actually came with an amplifier microphone and a guitar. And I play a little bit of guitar now, mainly for the kids, but I I kind of put the guitar to one side and just loved hearing my voice booming out of the kitchen. And I remember, because I also listened to a lot of talkback, because my mum did, and John Laws said once, years and years ago, that if you want to learn how to do this for a living, just read out loud, but read text that you haven't written, like read out loud things that you don't know what's coming up next kind of thing. So I would just read, then it was the Mercury in Tassie, which took me about eight minutes to read the whole thing cover to cover. (laughs) But uh, yeah, read the newspaper out to my mum. My mum was my biggest supporter, definitely.
0: Oh, so amazing. And John Laws is like the the OG, right? He's got that beautiful resonance in his voice.
1: Well, I had lunch with him last year, almost exactly a year ago, and it it kind of happened so quickly and crazily that I said to work, I'd I'd been with Nova for a long time, I said, I'm about, to, I'm about to have lunch with John Laws at like 1.30 next week and I know he does love a drink. I don't want to cut this thing short for my radio show, which starts at 4.00 can we pre-record our whole show so I can go out to lunch with John Lawson? And like, this means a lot to you, doesn't it? I go, absolutely. And we ended up until 8 o'clock at night, <laughs> which was a long time for him. He's in his mid-80s, like from 1 p.m. till about 8 p.m. at lunch at Otto, which is his little go-to uh-huh. in Woolloomooloo. And we were drinking wild turkey like amazing. he does. and we're, It was amazing. So, yeah, he's definitely my – that was my first kind of inspiration, definitely. And it was amazing to kind of meet the man and he does still talk like that.
0: Oh, didn't they call him the Golden Tonsils or something like that? And he had all those stories of, like, him and is it he used to, like, Wreck hotel rooms with is it Johnny Cash or someone? And they like he got up to mischief for sure. And when
1: he, when radio was the true rock star too. So you're exactly right. Like when people like Johnny Cash came in, that only see John Laws, and he'd be actual friends with them. Like yeah. he'd take them out and take them like on the on the tear. So he was the absolute original. Made made a huge career out of it, but really only radio. Like you were talking about a little bit of TV before. Like he did a bit of TV because of radio, but radio was always his his number one, and he still broadcasting 9 till 12 every single day out of the Piermont Studios in Sydney around the country. So he's a real inspiration.
0: What a legend. And then, so your family went to America for a little while and you were listening to Howard Stern and then yeah, that became... Very different. Yeah, but a bit of, you know, it's still <laughs> yeah. an iconic figure for sure.
1: Totally. I was think about, picture this actually on the yellow school bus driving to school at 7:30 in the morning with my sony walkman tuned into it was it was um dc101 in washington dc dc101 <laughs> and howard was on and this show used to go for 5 or 6 hours and it was like i would be sitting there on the whole drive um, in the in the school bus like mouth open like never heard anyone talking like this before and then you get to school and you talk about it. And at one stage, about a year or two into my schooling there, the teachers actually had to send out a kind of – it was back then a letter to all the parents saying that you're not to let your children listen to Howard Stern and definitely not talk about it in the, in the, in the schoolyard, which my mum's like, oh, well, Amazing. You, you have to listen to Howard. You love Howard. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I just won't talk about it at school.
0: So then you came, you came back to Tassie to do like high school years. But about the age of fourteen, did you start volunteering at the local radio station, like the Brecky Show?
1: Yeah, a few years later than that because I was I was in America from thirteen to sixteen. Okay, and then okay. not to say that your research has not been impeccable, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'll stop you there. Um, no, I came down for Year Ten, so whatever age that is. And then I, um, Triple T was the radio station in Hobart. Todd Campbell and Dave Noonan, who's only just wrapped up and uh, and Kim, and my dad used to just drop me in there at like five in the morning in my full school uniform, and I'd make coffees and just print them out stuff and just literally hang around. And a few uh, months into that, Dave Noonan, who lived near my dad in his little green combi, used to go, well, I'll just pick you up. So he'd pick me up Amazing. most mornings and we'd tool into the studio. So that was an incredible experience. A lot of people get in touch with me now about radio, and I'm like, well, it's a pretty no-frills business, yeah. um, and if you get in there, like – I mean i don't know this is the problem with the world today i don 't think you really can just walk into a building as a fifteen year old and work for free anymore, which is such a shame i and i would I would argue that most industries would benefit from that, not just radio it's such a shame and i got i got, I ended up doing the same with Andrew Denton when I first moved back to Sydney as well, like just getting in there making coffees, talking to these people, meeting these people, finding out what makes them tick how do i what do I do next? How do I get paid for this? That's kind of the invaluable experience I think we're really losing everywhere though, not just radio.
0: Totally. And imagine Andrew Denton's brain, being around that brain and just kind of oh. absorbing the magic of Andrew Denton. Yes. So after studying, it seems like uh, looking at radio kind of trajectory, usually you have to do your time in more regional areas. So did you go Albury, then Perth? What? How did your… Steps go. Well, Aubrey
1: then Melbourne. Because um, so I uh, at Afters, I met Kath O'Connor, who's still our CEO, and only has just announced this week that she's will be departing at the end of the year after 18 years. But she was running today FM and Triple M, then she gave me her card. And then the great thing about Afters and still is like um the radio industry really looks at the 10 people that are going through the diploma course, as I mentioned before. I should have mm-hmm. a diploma up behind me. I should have been <laughs> more prepared.
0: Um,
1: and then I get this letter saying, well, we'd love to be – so Nova Sydney had just launched and it was the biggest thing in my world. It was like, wow, a radio station's just launched in Sydney. Ugly feels there. American Rosso. I've still got the, the, the clippings from the Sydney Morning Herald. Um. And then, about six or eight months later, you find out that they've bought another station, but no one knows if it's going to be a nova and or it could be a classic rock yeah. station or whatever. And I was the first person hired for the yet to be named Nova in Melbourne, but because I was so young, I had to sign this like confidentiality agreement. So then you you go to like the Radio Awards, which the afters class goes to at the end of the year, and you know I wasn't very good on the crown lagers, and I had this great big secret that I've been that I was the first person employed to do Midnight to Dawn on the new Nova. I knew it would have blown everyone at afters mind. Um, but then I was like, well, there was months to go before the launch. Like I think this was September. Um, and they weren't launching until December. So they're like, yeah. well, we, we're kind of paying you $36,000 a year, the most money I'd ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> we've got to get you to do something. So I packed up my Toyota Starlet and I drove from Sydney to Albury <laughs> um, and I worked in what they called the Hub, and the Hub was this one radio station that was on air to like nine regional centres. So I'd yeah. do 2 p.m. till 7 p.m. to nine different radio stations, but the technology was so weird back then that – I'd record a break for Orange and if it went for 40 seconds, tell me if I'm boring you. Not at all. If it went for 40 seconds, I'd have to make the next break go for 40 seconds too. (laughs) So I'm recording nine talk breaks for every one talk break and there were like six talk breaks an hour for a five or six-hour shift. So talk about being thrown into the deep end, but I reveled in it. I loved it. I loved Albury. I loved being in a radio station. It was a hustle and bustle. I was Talking into a microphone, hearing the sound of my own voice. So yeah, I I did do regional, but I also had that little kind of knowledge in the back of my head that I was heading to Melbourne in a few months' time.
0: Do you still remember that first time? Did you read the weather the first time you ever spoke live on air? And were you really? I I think I did heard an interview where you were super nervous. You'd printed out all the, like, meteorology, you were shaking, stumbling. Do you still remember that moment?
1: Yeah, it was during the hospital hour on 2NSB in Chatswood, which is a community station in the lower north shore of Sydney. And I was the panel operator for the hospital hour. And very quickly, the hospital hour was all these nursing homes around the lower north shore would request to Betty, the host, a one hour of their songs. And again, thrown into the deep end. So one request would be on like an actual record. So I'd be queuing up a record while she's speaking. Another one would be on a cassette. One was from a videotape performance of someone on Hey Hey It's Saturday that they've queued up on VHS. (laughs) So... When talking to Betty, I think I'm pretty sure her name was Betty. I, apologies if I forgotten your name, Betty, but I don't think she's with us anymore. But um, she said, "Well, you want to talk? You want to talk on the radio? Why don't you do the weather at the top of the hour?" Okay, great. She obviously didn't have a voice that deep. so I printed it out, and I just remember saying, "Precipitation to the north, the wind to the south," <laughs> and I remember I was—I knew I was going to do it—and I told my mum to listen, I told my dad to listen, everyone's listening with this 10-second spot, and then my hands like this, and I'm about to press off the hospital hour opener. But it was kind of a shake because it was thrilling as well. So Totally. Um, yeah, that, I think that might have been um, the first time I'd spoken. Oh, yeah, maybe the first time I'd spoken on the radio. So it was a thrill.
0: And did you kind of have that same kind of like amazing nerve first experience when you did your first like midnight to dawn shift at Melbourne Nova where the beginning was kind of going really well and then all of a sudden like was it Hughie and Kate are walking into their brekkie shift and you're like, oh, this is feeling very real now. Is yeah, that not only that, same? but
1: it was – so it's pitch black dark at midnight, obviously, and then I'm like killing it and I'm like, yeah, I've got this and I'm on my own because I, th- I figured that's another thing about radio is you are just on your own and there was a good part of that in Albury as well. I was in the studio on my own. You're talking to a lot of people, but it's just you, you're in there and you're doing whatever you want. But it was about 10 past 5 and the sun started coming up over the city of Melbourne <laughs> – and that's when I shat myself. I was like, "Oh my god!" And then Husey and Kate bundle in, and they come in. And they're like, you're the new guy. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" So I think that first kind of four hours of the shift, I was cruising. That five to six hour, which is probably the most important, the most people are up and out and out up and about. I was pretty terrified, um, but it was again exhilarating because um, you, you know what to do, but it's kind of like pinch yourself, like you're on in Melbourne. And again, when Nova launched in Melbourne and Sydney and Adelaide and Brisbane and Perth, this was the biggest deal in the city at the time. Yeah. Like, Nova was a huge deal when it came to Melbourne. It was the first new radio station for 20 years. We sounded different. We had weird TV ads. We had photo shoots at Luna Park. Like, it was It Has was the nuts. cool it factor m- as well. <laughs> yeah, really, really. We were almost yeah. like Triple J for the kids that weren't cool enough to like Triple J. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we
0: were next. I was probably yeah. one of those kids. And then, yeah. so, because then... Nova Perth, you were the first voice on Drive, is that right?
1: Well, yeah, Drive, um, but I also launched the station yes. on Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, This, uh, this
0: story I want to hear because
1: yeah, wasn't freaking, it a
0: bit impromptu or something?
1: Well, yeah, I think the way I, I – I might remember it differently, but I about a year before that, back when record companies had money, they used to send people on junkets and I went over to LA for the By The Way album for the Chili Peppers. And ah, amazing. All, Chateau Mamet, and I and – Went and saw a dinner. I remember having dinner with Richard Wilkins in L.A. I was like, this is like as good as it's going (laughs) to ever get. Uh, Like, if I retire today, I've made it. Oh, yeah, Robert Penfold was there (laughs) and all those L.A. people that you see in Australia. Um uh, and then we went to the top of the pops performance and then but the the LA interviews like I did Anthony Kiedis and Chad and and, and Flea and John Frusciante and then they took me to this Christian Dior fashion show that was happening on level one of the Chateau Marmont and Anthony Kiedis was like just fill your bag take some shit home I'm like okay so at the end of that I I would read Scar issue and I said to him I never normally do this I so try and be professional but if you interview people and you'd know this too when you interview people you've got to try not to be a fan. Say so like, it's a job, right?
0: It's hard.
1: So I'd, I'd love you to sign this book for me. And Anthony just kind of took the book off me and went, I'd love to write something properly for you I go uh, okay and obviously this was like 2001 or 2002 or something I was like I'm never gonna see this book ever again like how do you how do you like mail to Australia still takes ages but months later the book rocks up and he's written all this stuff in it thanking me for the interview was a great experience blah 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 so then I think what happened was when management found out that I was on that radio station and they'd had a little uh a little connection with me I said, well, we want him to do it, which I think annoyed the breakfast show at the time. And you know what? Rightfully so. In the hierarchy of radio, the breakfast show is the, the, the king shit. But I did the interview. It was only meant to be 20 minutes. It ended up being like an hour and a half. And then Jebediah being a WA band, that was supposed to be the first band to play live on Nova Perth. And yeah. in the song, Anthony said, I can see all these instruments out there. We'd love to play you a song to kind of play you out. Before that, by the way, Flea had called my mum and asked if I was breastfed and all that because I was pretty nervous. So there were lots of highs and lows. Um, But they played, by the way, acoustically with Jebediah's instruments, which I think gave them the earits at the time, but I think they've gotten over it now. Uh, And that was – that first day was just – yeah, you have all the TV cameras in there, your big bosses. The guy that owned um, DMG at the time – so Lachlan Murdoch owns the whole joint now, but before that the Daily Mail group owned it. And there was a bloke called Lord Rothamere. He was 36 years old and worth about $100 billion. And he'd never oh, been to the Sydney launch. He didn't go to the Melbourne launch, didn't go to the Brisbane one. Went to the Perth one because he loved the Chili Peppers. And I just remember being nervous in the song going, no, you could buy Perth, couldn't you? So <laughs> like, good one, idiot. <laughs> but he was a lovely guy. I actually got a photo of me with the Chili Peppers and Lord Rothamere, which I still have. There's a treasure at this day. It's a Crazy photo of this Lord standing there, like 36-year-old Lord in a suit and then me with this rock band. I looked like I was four.
0: Amazing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty cool. So good. And you've got a real passion for music too because I feel like following your career, you've had your own like music shows as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, where I could. Like it's hard to kind of pioneer new music on a commercial radio station, especially when, you know, Taylor Swift can – fart into a bit of bread and we play it. And, and so we should, you know, that's what we, we're here for. But um, yeah, I've done little bits of that where I can, and I've been very lucky to be able to do that. Um, but now in the podcast space, like like what you're doing, I hope to at the end of this year, I've got something in the works um, where I'm doing a new music podcast-ish. That's, I, that's all I can say at the moment, but that'll be great because the radio show every day is amazing, but we don't really do interviews and I've got a lot. I've found it through my years and knowing, having mutual friends with mutual interests. So I've got friends in bands and got all these text messages from people going, I'd love you to play the new song or... Can you talk to me on the air? And I'm like, well, oh, I can't really do that. I've gotten very good at kind of being polite at, at saying no. So this would be a great opportunity for me to just go, yes, let's do this. Absolutely, let's do this. So I can't wait to give that a go toward the end of this year.
0: Oh, you've got to do it and you've got your new little pod mic as well. So know, you're set. I
1: know, right? <laughs> I'm so excited I showed you this before we started. Thank you to Road for hooking me up.
0: Yeah. That is all a little plug for you. Uh, oh, so before I get on to Kate, Tim and Marty, I – love Michelle Laurie and yeah. I loved watching some of your um, like there's a few things on YouTube of you guys in Brizzy that was a Brizzy breakfast show right?
1: Brizzy breakfast and then we did um, two years of drive together as well.
0: Yeah. Is she as amazing as she seems?
1: She's such a great broadcaster. Well, she's the reason I, I actually started up on Brisbane Breakfast because once I, I finished up with Husey and Kate, um, she was looking for a new co-host and she apparently just name-checked me. She's like, I want him to come up because he's worked with Husey and Kate. And at that stage as well, you know, you get to this stage when you're in your mid to late 20s or 26 where you think you've got, like, this is it now, this is as good as it gets. And I was pretty cool and in Melbourne living in Fitzroy. I was like, eh, eh, um, <laughs> But the best thing I ever did was move to Brisbane, do a radio show with her. She's got such a great radio brain. She's such a great broadcaster. And her and I, well, she's gave me so much freedom. So from being a bit of a jock, and, and this is nothing against, the, when I was with Husey and Kate, I was very much, I really had to prove myself. It took me a good year or two to be able to speak, and Husey and Kate allowed that. But then kind of Michelle kind of got more out of me out of that and made, made me want to do show radio. So, yeah, no, she was an absolute treat to work with.
0: And it's so obvious listening to the Kate, Tim and Marty show. I know if I ever have a crappy day, I just go on to <laughs> the Instagram for you guys and I just will yes. laugh at like quick draw or like just highlight, like the highlight stuff. And even today I was I had a bit of extra time and I was like, I just want to soak more of you up. And I ended up then seeing you doing, I think it was a segment for – fits in Whipper called Celebrity Screeners, you and Carl Stefanovic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just think that there's such a uh, beautiful, like, ah, you guys all feel like comrades together in, in the Kate, Tim and Marty show, but Marty started with you and Michelle in Brizzy. Mm-hmm. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's so you've right.
0: been mates for years, basically.
1: Taylor, totally. we're so lucky. Fitzy's one of my best mates in the world. Marty's one of my best mates. Um, Nova have always been very – well, I mean, at the Perth Breakfast Show, Nathan, Nat and Sean have been there for almost 15 years. Brisbane Breakfast have been there for ages. Adelaide um, is really one of the only new, new kids on the block with Ben and Liam. Like, they pick kind of good people and they stick with them, you know, so – um, it's such a lovely, there's no real ego in the hallway. There's probably more ego in sales than there is with the people on air. It's a really relaxed environment. Paul, our, our big boss, kind of lets everyone do what they want. And until it doesn't work, you know, he's not an idiot, but he's he, he gives you that freedom. They, they, they let you, like, you know you've got a long time to prove it as well. Radio doesn't, it's not like TV, you know, where a show doesn't work for two episodes and then they can it. It's yeah. they do give it time, you know, which is which is again another reason I love this business so much.
0: I have loved watching the rap battles between you and Fitzy. Do you put heaps of work into them, or is it more? Is there heaps of ad lib? Is it because I feel no, like that's radio the, is that's the case that's
1: you know, there's all ad lib on the show, the radio show, but when you're asked to do someone else's show, you really think you've got to yeah. bring your… And that I was so nervous doing that like, because I, I hear people do it. It's a really n- the nerve-wracking thing. You, you meant to cane your mate uh, <laughs> to to music, and, I, and I'm not used to being. I'm a bit of a control freak. You might have worked that out, but I'm not used to being on the other side of the desk either, not in control. So, ah, uh, yeah, no, I definitely planned that one. Yeah, ah,
0: oh, it's so good, so so <laughs> so good. And so, and this is the thing I love about what I feel like you guys have created with Kate, Tim, and Marty. It feels like. If there's a purpose or like mission, it is to make people feel good. The listener feel good and escape and it feels fun but it feels super real. Like it feels like there's no bullshit and you guys are just like picking on Kate or paying each other out. It feels genuinely fun. Does it, does it feel
1: like that for you as the hosts? It's 100% every day, the best best part of the day. Like there's obviously the stuff you got to put up with when you're at work, which is normal work stuff and things in life that happen. But similar to like those Instagram videos make you feel good at four o'clock, this show just automatically makes you feel good. You put your phone away, you're 100% focused, but you're sitting there literally with your mates, as cheesy as that sounds, um, and you come off it like – I come off – I always think to myself, uh, like my wife's good friends with Lucy Durack, I'm like, I think this must be how you feel when you get off stage after doing Wicked. <laughs> it's like you come off and go, yeah. ah, I've had a, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it if you're listening, Lucy. Um, but, yeah, um, it's, it is the best part of my day. It, it, every show I've done has been the best part of the day. I've been very lucky.
0: And I guess times are kind of changing for you with Joel Creasy coming in and becoming part of your family now.
1: I know. I know. We, that's why I was a little bit late to you today. We've just been, he starts with us if well, this is we're recording this on September 90. He starts with us on September 14th, so this Monday. Um, so we're just getting him in and we're just, I mean, we're not really, we're not really trying very hard but it's just uh, I feel for him because he's never done a lot of radio where it hasn't been about him like he's, he's done a lot of radio when he's been interviewed on the radio um, but yeah it's huge shoes to yeah. feel. and I think I feel for him because there's no there's no comparison with Marty you know like there's we never had a meeting when Marty decided to leave where well, we need to get someone like Marty because there's just no one like Marty and then the funny thing is so many people are like well you should get Sam Pang I'm like but Sam Pang's got a job like <laughs> and he's got a job that he really enjoys yeah <laughs> Um, and we've known Joel for years. Um, I've been really good friends with him and we've had pretty big nights together. So I always think that's a great that, that – we've, we've, we've done the hard part because, like, with Marty, I, I met him the day before we ever did a radio show together. So TV's the same, radio's oh, – like wow. they just put people together and they go, please work. So maybe – I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing that we've got a history together, but we'll all find out, I guess, in the coming weeks. And
0: I think it's so good that he's completely different to Marty, like he's his own. In what way? (laughs) 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 So many ways. What are you talking about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I feel like he's going to bring this
0: element of sass almost. I feel like you're going to have to expect this element of sass that will come from him. Um, My next question is about you work in television as well, on Getaway, on The Project, on The Today Show. I've seen you on Sunrise. I feel like the pace of radio is go, 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 whereas the pace of television, does it feel a lot slower to you?
1: Well, live TV is different. The Today Show stuff and the pro-, pro the project is probably the closest thing I've done to radio. I started out doing the Metro Whip where you had, yeah. you know, 40 seconds <laughs> to tell people what was happening in Brisbane and mostly I was the last person to do it and generally the people in Perth and Adelaide went a bit over so I'd always be over the credits. Like there's one point I remember when Charlie Pickering was hosting, I was dressed as a freaking cowboy at the Ecker, and I'm sitting on the back of a horse and the credits are just going over man, okay. And that really annoyed me because you put all this prep in, but it's so down to the wire, but you still have that exhilaration, you know. So I do – like live TV is great. I do love Getaway, but I, I still can't get my head around that it. it takes us sometimes three days to make a five-minute story on Thailand. But that's not necessarily what – that's not my bit. The camera guys, like some of these episodes, if you watch them closely, like the, the quality is just – It's like they're filming a James Bond movie, like they're using drones and they're sweeping over this and like it's such a great experience. But every experience I have in TV makes me love radio even more. But I'm so blessed to be able to just dip my toe every now and then into doing a little bit of Getaway or a little bit of this or go to the Today Show. Um, But, yeah, the radio is the day job is where it's at, that's for sure.
0: Totally. I, I watched a fun one with you and David Rain. On the Murray River, <laughs> <laughs> and you're on your stand-up yes. paddleboard, and he's on his <laughs> oh houseboat. God. And I was watching I, it, going, you, "How long would have that taken to shoot?" Have like you ever
1: t- been on like, a houseboat before? Just never, never, never do it. And, and also, the other thing is with young <laughs> kids, how terrifying! All four walls is a potent, potential drowning. Like you can't take your eyes off them for a minute. Every bedroom has a sliding door out into the water. Like I just see in the middle of the night, someone rolls out of bed and they're in the Murray River. Um, and it goes so slow But God we had a good time Dave actually That was the first story He'd ever produced Because he's been on camera With Getaway For as long as I can remember And Dave and I Have a really good relationship He's a very Very funny Dry 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 guy So a very fun guy To share a couple of peronies With on a houseboat <laughs>
0: Do you know, uh, when I was 22, I started in morning TV with 9am with David and Kim, and he would always save me if I ever forgot a like a talk point. He'd be like, are we talking about licorice tea today, Lola? Because I'm a nutritionist. Oh, and he'd always save yes. me. And to this day, probably the biggest legend that I've worked with in, in morning tally, because he just, he cared so much. And he took it really seriously, which was great.
1: Oh, he's a perfectionist. Even on the houseboat, he's the first up, the first to make his bed, the first out of the shower, the first to do his hair, the first to write the notes. Like I, actually presenting its story with him as the producer was a bit like, because all the producers you work with generally are, have never presented before. So that you, you kind of really want to impress him a lot more because you know he can do a much better job than you. So <laughs> you better get this piece to camera right. <laughs> but we had a great time.
0: Oh, so good! I love. Yeah, I loved watching. I've I've deep dived all of your. Um, you have. Yeah, well, all the getaway stuff because I've trained in TV presenting and I'm just like, "Shivers." There's no auto cue there. You're just well. That's that's. That.
1: That. I prefer that. There's no auto cue in radio too. The times I've had to do stuff on the project where I've had to throw to something and it's been written or like uh, politicians on the li- oh, uh, down yeah. the line and I've got to throw a, to a question, but the question's kind of in there because you've got to give the politician the questions, otherwise they won't go on. That's when I get a bit nervous because you because you will. There's an element where you can stuff up, but if there's nothing written down, well, then you can't stuff up because no one said you were supposed to say this. Yeah. So I much prefer. And also speaking to people who've done TV a lot longer than I have, like I had, I have to walk. I don't know if you know, like I, I have to walk and talk. Like I don't like standing still and talking. And yeah. whereas people have been TV all their lives go, I prefer to have a script and to sit still. So I was like, yeah, maybe that's the radio in me.
0: No, I love it and it's fast pace. I, you're yeah. doing stuff that's on pace. And, yeah, you're right. Every time you're <laughs> filmed, yeah, you're walking <laughs> towards the camera the <laughs> yeah. whole time.
1: Yeah, I did one a bit at the Bangkok markets, which I love the most because I, I said, can we do it? And I also crossed the road because I wanted to show – how not only crazy the market was but how crazy the road was in between the two bits of the market. And the camera guy's like, well, I'm walking backwards into this traffic here. I'm like, yeah, no worries. And we did it just once to see how it would go and it was the best fun ever because I had a chicken come out at me. It was almost like that scene in that real-life Aladdin because I've got kids, I watch it all the time, where Aladdin's walking through the markets (laughs) and singing. (laughs) That's how I felt. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Can I ask a question for anybody that is aspiring to work in radio or tally? It seems like the consistent thing with anybody I interview is work ethic. Would you say, and I've heard you talk about it, like, you know, people even in, you know, broadcasting school are like, I just want to work in Melbourne or Sydney. And you're like, dude, you need to be getting six days on it. You need to get that. I don't know, like the the runs on the sheet, you know. Uh, is it totally. down to work ethic?
1: I think any job would be well, – well, look at this. It's not – you probably don't get the job for work ethic, but you keep the job job for work ethic. And I remember the good thing about afters as well is turning into a big ad for them. But the seven months there, like obviously most people in there wanted to be on the radio, but I learned how to edit. I learned how to like um, do the news, uh, to make the sweepers, to produce shows like – We'd we'd run a little radio station, so I'd be the executive producer of it or the program director. We went out and sold things, and they'd even take you out to little radio stations. I we went, I went to Lithgo, which I think the breakfast guy might have been the sales guy and the general manager and the guy who was on the street team, or on the one thing. And you're like, this is probably the first job we're all going to get. Do you still want to do this for a living? And most of us came out going, yes. But no work ethic. You'll get you'll get found out, especially like if you have to do something every day. Like, it's that's not easy. Like, you're in here every day, depending on what's happened with you personally or whatever, or whatever's happened to, like to your co-host. You're in there every day doing a show. And it's a different show every day too. So if you don't have that work ethic, you'll get found out pretty quick.
0: And you host and panel, don't you? You do. You're yep. a bit of a… And and you know, usually I do all it's... the sound
1: effects and with my mate Milsey who makes them all for me and then I put them all to life. I'm talking to him while Kate's talking, saying get this, or I'm trying to search it up myself and play it out. I love all that stuff, yeah.
0: And I've heard you say you actually do it live in the show, and you're like, and then I can chill during a song.
1: Oh, totally, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, because the songs that the the songs are almost the most fun we have because that's when we go completely outrageous. And you might have heard sometimes we come back from a song, and that's when you're kind of. Like laughing uncontrollably. And that's what kind of gets you up and about, too. I, I look forward to our in song band. So, someone suggested once maybe we release a podcast with all the things we talk about in song. And we all said, we will never work again uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if that ever gets released.
0: So good, though. So good. <laughs> what about resilience? You talked about um, like, leaving Hughie and Kate and then going to Michelle like that they're pretty big changes like and I imagine you would have had to have a sense of resilience um with kind of like those those changes in your career
1: Well this is the longest I've stayed still for a long time like even with school I went to about I think I've calculated about 8 or 9 schools um So, up until recently, there was that's just what happened every 18 months to 24 months. Um, well, onto the next thing, and you went to the next thing, and you rented a new house, and you connected new electricity, and you met new friends. That's just kind of how we always reset. And because my wife was so lucky to have her travel with me at that stage, like the move from Melbourne to Brisbane, I can't under I can't kind of undersell was probably the biggest challenge for our relationship because she was. On track. She was working in fashion. Again, we were in Melbourne. Like, why wouldn't you want to be living in Melbourne? But we went and did it. And as I said, it ended up being the best thing ever, because that ended up being where Michelle Tim and Marty was created. Yeah. But we've always kind of we've we're very good, a good team like that, because as long as we're kind of with each other and we're pretty we're a tight knit and now we've got the kids as well, we we can kind of still go anywhere and, and be faced with anything. Um, in saying that though, I'm being getting pretty comfortable just hanging in Sydney, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's not to say that it's kind of like I'm not prepared for the next move um, if there is one because that's kind of the nature of the business as well.
0: I saw a really cute interview where you and your wife met like actually at work, is that right? She saw you in the sound booth and was like, oh, he's really cute and then you met at a Nova event, is that right? Well,
1: you know, I met her on that Chili Peppers Day.
0: Was now, that the Chili Peppers Day? about a massive day. day.
1: Well, that was the launch of the station. She was working on the street team and she'd seen me through the weeks but I hadn't really seen her and then I asked a mutual friend of ours um, to introduce us so I'd had a couple of coronas and was coming down from my massive hive doing the Chili Pepper stuff and embarrassing myself in front of Lord Rothermere. and I thought, well, why not meet a girl that I fancy as well? <laughs> And this is how long ago it was. I asked her if she was, I said, I'm new to Perth, but if you're free for a coffee, I'd love to see. And she got a big filofax out of her handbag and she flipped it to find the day. So that was a pretty big day for me um, personally and professionally.
0: I love it. And you guys have three Bambinos together. Yes, we do. Which also makes me, to me it's now a no-brainer knowing that you're a Polish Man ambassador because Mm. it's a wonderful charity that's all about protecting kids and and it's all against, it's, their whole mission is to wipe out violence against children, which affects 1 billion kids annually, which is half the kids in the world.
1: It's nuts. With the research you got to do for the radio show every day too, you unfortunately run into some of the most horrendous stories that you, it doesn't, you never get immune to that stuff. Um, so, you know, you do get a lot of opportunities to do stuff with charities and i I you can't kind of say no to this one. I, I've, I've always been a big admirer of these guys. And, in fact, and I'm an admirer of your nail polish. I brought mine in because I haven't actually painted myself yet. Do you do your left your left ring finger? I do both. Oh. Ring,
0: the, both of that finger, whatever that. Is that the both ring finger? That finger?
1: Well, let me just do that on yours thing oh, now because I've got get this cracking. But, no, what a great charity. And I, I, I think if you search Polish Man and my name, there might be a link somewhere. Just donate what you can. I know I feel bad in 2020 asking people to who've lost jobs and um, <laughs> have no idea what's coming uh, coming next month in this awful year. But you've got five bucks, you've got two bucks, um, anything you can do, just throw it in there and it's all going to kids who need it and that's the main thing.
0: And I'll pop it in the show notes here as well. It's been a total honour to have you on the pod. <laughs> Any final last words of wisdom because you are totally living the dream in my opinion. So just one little gem of wisdom from your awesome brain.
1: Oh my goodness. I about know. what? Yeah, about. Um, oh.
0: <laughs> I know. It's loaded so loaded. Now you really have put me
1: on the spot. <laughs> I've I had something for you like that. Um, my word of wisdom is always have a word of wisdom, wisdom prepared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
1: Maybe, you no, know, I learned this. Ross Stevenson, who's one of my idols who does 3AW Breakfast uh, in Melbourne, who's been doing that show for about 26 years, says if you're. If you're not looking – oh, hang on, let me get this right. Now, this is embarrassing. You'd rather be looking at it than looking for it. I like that. You ah. always think to yourself, should I take a jacket? Just take a jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's my word of wisdom in a really clunky way.
0: <laughs> I love it. You're <laughs> wonderful and it's been a total honour to have you on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Tim. Oh, Thank you, Lola. I appreciate your time.
0: That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests, and let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at YummoLolaBerry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, and comment, and of course, spread the love.